HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. One House is a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered Hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are Recruit, Retain, Relax. Welcome, welcome to Recruit, Retain, Relax with yours truly, Mike Hewitt from One House and Sarah Deal from Empowered Hospitality. We are here to discuss the current staffing dilemma in the hospitality sector, obviously, and uh, what's changing, what's trending, how can operators react and adapt. Uh, We will focus on recruitment and retention with an emphasis on quality life and other critical variables. Sarah and I are active founders and operators of national hospitality, recruiting, and human resource consulting companies servicing all sectors, uh, from Michelin-starred to mom-and-pop startups, uh, giving us a unique outlook and intel on this subject. And now, let's welcome our guests today. We have Rick DeMarco, Chief Operating Officer for Colt Soho Street Cart, turned multi-unit darling Calexico, and Kate Edwards, Hospitality Consultant, service expert and executive coach. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Lovely to have you. Exciting. Um, So let's just get right into it. We're going to start with a little bit of recruitment and then we'll move over to retention questions. Uh, First one, and again, you can answer at your discretion. Uh, How much or little should prior experience weigh into the hiring process? Kate, what do you think? Well, let me tell you, I had a client that decided to do all the hiring based on personality, and it was a hotel restaurant. And the challenge was we didn't actually get in the space till like the day we did the friends and family. And that was really like probably the worst possible choice. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So my feeling is that you should 
higher based on personality or a connection to your brand, if you are already open and you already have your methods and your structure and your steps of service worked out, because then it's easier to train those things by demonstrating those things live. Um, I think if you're Mm -hmm. opening, it's a little more secure for you to hire people who have background knowledge because it takes so much to understand what makes a great experience at the table and those steps of service and the requisite knowledge it takes just to set a plate down gracefully on a table or even know the difference between a bourbon and a whiskey when somebody's asking you questions. That takes years sometimes to develop those skills. So I'm an advocate for, you know, a little more training if it's your first rodeo and you don't need as much of that background knowledge if you've done this before, if you've had a restaurant that's been open for a little while. That makes sense, obviously. And, you know, looking at those character traits, personality, um, integrity, all those kind of intangibles, right? Aside from the skill set that, that make a potential hire, you know, a win or a fail. Right. right. So it's important. Um, cu- curious, uh, do you have any metrics or have you figured out a way to say, okay, these things worked or out of X amount of candidates, you know, this is what worked with most of them? Or um, curious if that is something that uh, can be, you know, put on a spreadsheet per se, right? Well, my big thing is, and this is this is true of any business, but in terms of hiring and, and retaining people and in, in, in particular it's to me it's really about your mission your core values your the culture that you build so when you're hiring I always advocate for asking questions that go back to the values because the values are how you live in the culture mm-hmm. of your business so you have to be able to find questions that are going to either open people up to share how they collaborate and correlate with the values that you already have, or they're going to demonstrate through through sharing their stories that they don't really get it or they don't really understand. So things like, you know, typical things like, you know, the idea of teamwork or working together, you want to get someone talking about how they work together. And, you know, it needs to be an open enough question that people can say, oh, gosh, I want to tell you all about that. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe, mm, nah, not so much. They're going to, they're going to demonstrate through those questions if they're your speed or not. That makes sense. Excellent. In your experience, what's the best way to develop a balance between the skill-based questions and the culture-based questions? Is that having a consistent list that you're asking to every candidate? Is it riffing on different themes? What are What's your advice for an operator who's trying to figure out how to run this process correctly? Great question. Um, generally, I think you've got to you've got to find out if that if the person you know does have the experience that they they do know know the job. Um, so that's I would say that's probably sixty percent of it or sixty five percent, and then I'd say the rest needs to be culture. You know, you really you're going to understand more about how that person not only treats the people in your business and your business, but how they understand hospitality and how they want to give hospitality. And I think in in the restaurant world, so much of hospitality is the culture. There's an internal hospitality that's so important. And then there's the external hospitality, which is just a reflection of how we act and how we treat people inside. So that to me is a pretty hefty piece. Good point. I mean, we talk a lot these days about fake news, but there's also fake resumes, right? And and so the skill part, right? You want to see, is this person really who they say they are? Have they done this job before? Or do they have the hard skills to actually get the job done? Once you get that out of the way, then you're like, okay, is this person actually sane? Are they team, you know, collaborators? Are they, you know, will they fit into this culture or not? So I think that's, uh, yeah, it's a combination of both. Uh, Rick, Calexico, such a great company, great culture as well, very unique. Uh, what's your take on, on that as far as, uh, yeah, prior experience versus more of a personality traits? Well, the first thing we look for is what we call the hospitality gene. 
So if you're sitting across mm -hmm. from someone and they're making great eye contact and they smile when they talk to you, that's telling you a lot about who they are as a person just at the table. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more though about the fake resumes and when people are talking about their experience, how that translates is gonna be different with every individual. So what we found is that actually the second phase of our process is a trail where they actually work, they follow mm -hmm. somebody, how Sink quickly, or swim. how quickly they pick that up and how well they fit in with their teammates, which is really what it comes down to, is that if our employees are raising their hand and saying, this person's great, we like them, all right, well, then they can be part of the team because ultimately that's, that's a good point. the best that's like a way to make that decision. All right, of how they're going to be if you were to hire them, you have the, that couple hours of kind of checking them out in action. Uh, to see how they would be, right? That's right. That's Can important. they run food? Do they know how to hold plates? Are they smiling when they're dropping the plates mm -hmm. and asking someone if they need? Just the basics. Yeah. Are they doing those things easily? And that tells us true. Most Back of the, of the house as well, right? How Back clean the, is their absolutely. station? Are they? How's the dishwashing? How are they treating people? Like, absolutely. Do they fit yeah. in? Do they know how to use a knife? Are they comfortable walking behind the line? And jumping in and helping and being part of a team. I also think that's such a great thing for um, just that barometer of, can the person get here for a trail? Because that tells you if they're interested in taking the time to learn because it's a two-way street. I've always said to people, when I've invited them to trail or observe, it's like a, your chance to see, does this place work for you as much as it mm -hmm. our, is it our chance to see, are you gonna work for us? That's right. So I think that's such a great hurdle yeah. for people to get over. And once they get over that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great first first test that's a good point and i think a big trend uh, that has changed and i've seen at least in the last decade where it was much more employer centric right they had the final say you were basically if you were going in for a job you were almost like please hire me where now right it's definitely more of an even playing field and the candidate it's really a two-way street right do i even want to be working here right right and, and again we always talk about the millennials right and and their flighty nature but um and you <laughs> have to cater to them at some point right they're the future but yeah, it's like, what can I do in, in my culture, in my restaurant, to have someone that wants to stay here, you know, that actually wants to work here. So, interesting. What about, um, as far as identifying people inside your current culture, we talk about recruitment, right, always looking out of your four walls, right? Let me find someone, let's see someone from another city or someone from a similar background or similar restaurant. But what about the people that you have internally, right? Um, identifying someone that potentially could be a good trainer, someone that could be, rise up to that leadership role and say, you know what, this server or this bartender or this sous chef or you know, someone you know, has shown incredible you know, experience and expertise and care and passion for training the younger or new, less experienced people under them. Um, what do you do internally right, in a restaurant to identify those people, those rock stars? That could be trainers. For you. Well, I think there's sort of three main things. One is um, passion for and representation of the brand. So are they a brand ambassador? Do they take pride mm -hmm. in walking the walk and showing up and interacting with their guests and sharing it? Because they're more likely to, to be rah-rah about it with the new guy. Um, or new guy or gal. And then I think the second important thing is, are they somebody who's a sharer? Are they somebody who's willing to share information and willing to share best practices? Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're gener they have a generous spirit about them. And then I'd say the next one is, do, do they know the rules? Do they, do they uphold the steps of service and the, the rules in the operation? And are they showing the correct way versus the, oh, you'll be fine. The shortcut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
I think your point about um, do they show up, meaning are they on time, are they committed, are they consistent, is a really big one because I often see um, clients choosing people to promote who have the right qualities, the right character, but not necessarily just the commitment to working a manager's schedule. Right. So at a baseline, it's maybe flipping those things kind of the way you explained, Kate, the interview process being 60% skills-based. Maybe that internal promotion should also be 60% skills-based or you know, surrounding the requirements of the role. Right. Uh, because it's a big compromise and often it takes a step back in compensation. It takes a step back in your schedule flexibility. So it's a big commitment beyond just having the right um, character traits. Too. Right. Training is absolutely, that is, that is the foundation for everything that we do. So if somebody's going to become a trainer, what I have found is typically they actually love to train people. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. really enjoy the act of showing somebody how to do things teaching them the right way to do it and that's if they're if they're not doing that they shouldn't you know they shouldn't be training they might be a superb at whatever position they're they're in but that doesn't mean that they should be training people training people requires i think you said use the word generous have Mm -hmm. a generous spirit really want to connect and show someone and take a lot of pride in seeing that individual's progress and ultimately and hopefully their success that's a good point. I mean, sometimes, you know, people are thrown into it and they don't have that passion for training where you have like a new hire and they're like, okay, you, today you're going to shadow Jimmy over there, right? And Jimmy's like, oh, here we go. Now I got to have some guy, you know, following me around the whole day. It's not really what they want to do. They're kind of rolling their eyes. That's not the training, you know, that's not the sharing type of person. They'll go right. through the motions, but maybe that's not something where, you know, another person would be like so excited, like, okay, let's do this. I can't wait to show you how they, okay, this is the mise en place. This is the station. This is what we do here. Um, and it shows, honestly, and that enthusiasm is contagious, as we know. So yeah. someone on their first couple of days, when they see that kind of action, you know, they get turned on. They, they actually want to stay there. To reinforce what Rick said, being the best server doesn't necessarily mean you'll yeah. be the best trainer. Right. Likewise with managers. So it's that person who has that desire to nurture and to teach and to be patient Um which I think we often don't equate with being a trainer. It's like, okay, you're the best server, so now you're going to graduate and become a trainer. It's just not something that everyone has a passion for. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, obviously, it's important, you know, when you're looking outside of your four walls, you're looking at resumes, you're seeing, okay, this person has been a trainer before. As we know, that's not going to automatically translate to integrating into your culture, right? They may have trained XYZ. Maybe it's a similar brand, but it's just not going to be the same in that culture versus someone that you have working for you internally um, and you have a chance to promote that person and give them that leadership role. So in a sense, you're creating your own pipeline from within, which is always healthy and always better. So excellent. Um, I think we're going to move over to some retention. All right. With Sarah. Here we go. So <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the word training and the concept of training. What does it mean when we talk about training? What does that include? Uh, when we talk about building a training program, what should an operator imagine as part of that training program? 
maybe Kate, if you want to take that one first. Sure. So when I'm working with a new client who's opening a new business, um, we have two phases of what we offer in terms of the training program. So one is the pre-opening program, which is going to be a week or two, hopefully two, of everything you need to know to uh, be a server, busser, runner, hostess, manager in this business, which is going to be a little bit different than post-opening training, which is going to be you're, you're coming in, the restaurant's up and running, and now you have to learn things as, you, as an observer and as a participant, which is a little bit different than some schoolroom uh, sort of training that comes out of the pre-opening training program. But that being said, um, gosh, there's so many pieces. One would be the um, who we are and, uh, you know, the story of the business. So that would be like, where did this come from? So I imagine, Rick, you have a, a very cool story for the origination of your business. And what does it mean to be in this restaurant versus another restaurant? I think that's really important. Um, that would be the the culture, the, the mission, the core values, and, and how we treat people internally and externally. Then that would be the nuts and bolts of doing the job. Um, that could be the steps of service, that could be the menu training, that could be all that fun stuff. Um, and I always like to have an FAQ section, so frequently asked questions. So whether it's, you know, where's the best place to park my car when somebody asks you, or, you know, um, what's the name of that painting on the wall, because everybody asks. Those things that you, you can have the quick answer to, because people are going to ask you that stuff. Now, when you first open, you don't know what everybody's going to ask you. But, you know, when you are open, yeah, you should have that FAQ sheet. That's like proactive, you know, yeah. before they ask. Yeah. In terms of the ongoing piece of it, and it's interesting you said a schoolroom style, there's definitely a distinction between what I think we often envision as training, which is that academic style of training, and mm-hmm. what actually happens in a restaurant, which is very much in the operation. So Rick, how does training show up for you at Calexico? So we divide our training also, new store opening and ongoing training. And the materials are not, they're not significantly different as you would expect. It's more the process that's different. Um, We start with a very serious orientation, takes about an hour and a half to walk somebody through the orientation, which is telling them who we are, where we came from, what our core values are, and why they're important to us. We think that that really sets the table for a long-term relationship. And it also allows us to refer back to that orientation because we actually have people sign off that they agree with these core principles and you know, doing the right thing all the time. Um, after that, Once again, having the right person doing the training. Training materials are great. We all need training materials, but to me that's that's the minor side of it, actually using them, having a schedule, and making sure that at the beginning of every day, every trainee knows what's expected of them Mm -hmm. and recapping it at the end of the day so that they're really getting all the information that they need and they're getting feedback about how they're doing. So it's really the that process to me is the most important because if you follow the plan you're going to get results and and results could be maybe this isn't the right person or this person is going to be just fine and should be part of our team yeah when i have new clients so they're first-time restaurateurs and we talk about the training program they always want to be shorter than i recommend but i always try to remind them that it's also insurance for them if Mm -hmm. if you if 
most of your team can get to this point of being on their own in whatever role that is after XYZ days. Um, and it allows you when somebody can't do it, it's a very clear sign that, oh, this person really isn't up to speed or they're not spending the time they need to, or it's not a fit somehow. And that allows you to not, not proceed. Right. So you don't have to stick you with cut your losses. Because, yeah, you right? cut your so, losses. Exactly. That makes sense. I mean, it's cool that it's structured like that. Like, like you're saying, the expectations, right? It's about setting expectations. And from, um, from a trainee standpoint, you get there. Okay, what am I doing today? What do they expect from me? It's great that you have that skeleton, right, of a, of mm -hmm. a schedule. And if things do go south, at least um, you know where it is, right? You're like, okay, this obviously wine knowledge. We've got to review this. But he or she was great at greeting the table and the first, you know, drinks and things like that so you can actually pinpoint where they went wrong and maybe try to savage the situation right which is always nice mm -hmm. before uh 86ing someone right. hire hard train hard manage easy party hard oh, no, that's nice. i like that <laughs> right i mean that's what it comes down to do your work nice. up front to hire the right people mm -hmm. put in the time training them those are big commitments but if you do that your opportunity you know to manage quote unquote easy <laughs> right that's that's how you get there that's uh that's the relax people. of recruit retain relax exactly. <laughs> the last one in terms of going back to the training program and what uh components are key to that how about the who of training so kate you lead trainings for hospitality companies so you could have a professional externally come in and bring their expertise in that area. What else works? In I'm curious, Rick, we have actually the privilege of working with you at Colexico, and I've seen the engagement that your managers have in training. And Kate, I'm curious from your perspective, who within the company is really the um, kind of the hero of the training department? Who is it who's um, delivering that, owning that mission, who do you feel most effectively owns that function? To me, it depends on the restaurant. You know, there's certain places where the, the GM or the DO wants to own that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's other places where they parcel it out to different, um, you know, segmented managers. So it could be the sous chef, it could be a floor manager, it could be a bar manager. Um, so to me, it really depends on the operation. But in terms of like a, a training that you do when the whole team's there and you're a new, new restaurant, yeah, it's great to have an outsider come in and share their expertise, and they might have a certain method um, that they do, but I know that I like to have people who are on the inside, again, do the training. Mm -hmm. So the bartender should really conduct that training about the drinks and the, the spirits behind the bar. The wine director should definitely do the wine training. The chef mm -hmm. should come out and do some uh, you know, cool culinary training. Um, and also, if you can get any of your partners to show up, to help you with that stuff too. The coffee people come to talk about coffee, the tea people come to talk about tea, um, but any sort of experts, uh, whether they're under your roof or they're just a stone's their way, I think that's really helpful to bring people in and give them a little extra nugget of knowledge. You'd be surprised though. Share. I mean, that kind of like obvious you know, logic, a lot of restaurants don't follow that, right? Just like the end user, right? Like you said, the bar manager should be training the bartenders, the, you know, the service manager or service director should be training the you know, service. I've seen a lot of restaurants that, yeah, they don't follow that. Maybe it is a GM trying to do everything or trying to train. Maybe it's been years since that person actually worked that station and perhaps they're not the right ones. Um, but it could be scary as a consultant coming in and helping. 
and, and not identifying like what Sarah's question who's going to preserve that when you're not there correct right? yeah because that, it's great when you're exactly there right. and you're like everyone's listening taking notes great friends and family everything's awesome great opening week you move on to another project maybe you come back two months later wow you know what happened here mm-hmm. it's because maybe you don't have that go-to person that's going to be the gatekeeper for you and all that training you did maybe just go south you know? well, that's if you don't now, have that last yeah. person to, that's a question that happens way up front you know who's who's my go-to, and then it's uh, who's you my know, mini me when I'm yeah, not here. and also building the program with that person mm. that creates ownership, which then all of a sudden now it's not just my baby; it's their baby Accountability, too. Accountability. So yeah. yeah, really, that makes a big difference is having that internal guy or gal. Rick, how about from the standpoint of Calexico, what works for you? Who owns your training program? So the. The senior team owns the training program for us. So the director of operations, director of culinary operations, they own it. That said, we spread that ownership. So the we want the general manager and the kitchen manager to be free to actually be part of the training and not be bogged down with all the details. So we typically have somebody handling all the administrative work to support them. And then we have our trainers. And the trainers are actually very interactive. They're taking turns on the things that are general across the board for everyone. They're taking turns leading those segments of the training program. And then we break off and we have, you know, the bar trainer, the server trainer, the line cooks trainer. They break off into groups and then they focus on that phase. And then when we come back together, once again, we're sharing, we're sharing those duties and we're actually putting out the trainers. We want them to take a big, big part in this because often they're going to stay in the store and continue to be involved with it. So that we want them to be seen in a leadership role. We want them to connect with the staff in a, in a really positive way and be a person that they'll come to. And that's kind of setting the table for that person also should they decide they want to continue their career it's setting them up for, you know, to become managers for us. And in terms of a restaurant where you feel the training is working really well, that it, and I know there's one location where you train most of your new managers, what is it that makes it work so well in that one operation? It's a team effort. So all of the managers are on the same page about how to train people. So it doesn't matter if you're following the general manager or the assistant GM, you're getting the same experience. There, it's a very consistent message that is constantly, you know, being preached. And the expectations of what your follows, you know, what your trails look like, what your, what your shifts look like, are really set. And then the managers have to recap how the experience was and they all take it seriously so we have constant excellent feedback and so does the trainee they're getting the same they're getting that feedback Mm -hmm. so there's a feedback loop that reinforces how important training is that's right that's great that's right so in terms of return on investment i know Mm -hmm. one of the biggest thresh the biggest um leaps of faith for an operator in developing a really thorough training program is understanding what benefit the company will receive as a result of the investment. And there's an investment of time, the time your managers spend, the money that you spend on 
uh, an employee who has sometimes weeks worth of training before they're fully functional. It's insurance on retention. That's basically it. Well, so yeah, that's the question. So do you feel that there's an impact uh, on retention on other areas financially for the company on guest service how do you see the benefit of training showing up and and how do you justify the investment that you make in training at the end of the day it's all about the guest experience right and if you don't train people and you don't have a consistent guest experience happening for everyone who walks through your door so one day you come in and it's great because you got a great person and the next time you come in and it's not so good you're hurting your business if you want to develop a business that's lasting and meaningful and part of a neighborhood then you need to make the investments in people because as owners and managers we can't touch every table but our employees do dishwashers making sure the dishes are clean so and glasses are sparkling are equally as important as how people are greeted at the door. So, you know, we've got somebody who's smiling and saying hello and taking care of people, and we've got great service and great food. All of that is the result of training people. And ultimately, if the guest experience is great, we do well. Do you feel that you've seen an increase in your retention as a result of your training? It's hard to say because the training programs have been in place for a long time, um, and you know the the uh, the pool, the employee pool is shrunk. You know, ten years ago, we had a lot more people vying for a position, whatever that position was, from manager to dishwasher. We had, we just had a lot more people walking through the door. Today, we have fewer people. So the competition is a little greater actually on our side to try and get the best yeah. people. We're competing. Uh, in the past, we used to make them compete. Now we're competing. And um, you know that's, that's something that's changed pretty dramatically mm-hmm. for all of us in yeah. the industry. We've discussed this at, you know, in, in previous shows as well, right? I mean, it's, uh, the hospitality industry as a whole kind of took a hit. Uh, with again, it could be a new generation, it could be other variables, but there's other sectors that the young people coming out of culinary school or deciding not to go to culinary school altogether are are moving to other industries. Um, and then obviously, yeah, the talent pool is shorter. Everyone's fighting for you know the three people that are left in the talent pool, and then wondering, okay, now I have this person, how do I keep them? Mm-hmm. Right? How do I retain them? And I think that was really <laughs> when Sarah and I had talked about you know, having the show really was about that, right? It's not just, okay, great, we can find you great people. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a- after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we'll find the right person. But now, as a client, what are you doing for them not to be calling us, the recruiters, a month later, get me out of here. It's an absolute shit show. Well, I think that's the thing, the word mm-hmm. I, that was coming to mind, Rick, when you were speaking was the idea of integrity. Because there's so many uh, different jobs that anybody on any level can go and get. Mm-hmm. And if you do have integrity, you're going to look for a place that has it yep. as well. Exactly. So when you show up at a place where it's like, here's our program, here's what we go to, here's our list of values, and we need you to sign off on that, because we want to make sure that this is something you're interested in too, that says to somebody, oh, 
these people mean it. And then you're going to see that they mean it mm-hmm. by the process and the way the people internally are, are, you know, connecting or interacting with one another. So that, that you're going to attract people who have that same yeah. level of integrity. If you have a less stringent training program, you might get people who are like, I hear you make great money here. You know, I'm going to just going to, you know, make my bank and get out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they might be like, you know, uh, I've got like three jobs and they won't even care if I call in sec two days a week. Like exactly. they don't have their act together. So you're going to attract, you know, like attracts like. So I think it's yeah. it's really, but it's about that integrity and you saying, no, this is what our business does that's going to pull the people who are like, that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Because I know back in my day when I was a waitress, the big test was, can you hold a tray? Not, did you do this before? Not, have you worked great places? Not, you know, yeah. can you sell? Or do you even yeah. care? You're like but five can champagne you hold flutes, a tray? take them over Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that was the thing. So can you walk across the room? Yeah, you got the job. That's interesting. Right? And again, all and this And when is can pr- you start? And your, your first shift is tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And this is pre-Me Too movement. This is, again, oh, yeah. this isn't like your pirate ship, Anthony Bourdain type kitchen environments that, you know, back 20 years ago w- were acceptable. Right? It's a totally different environment now in the hospitality industry. And some of the people that maybe were attracted to that or having that kind of lifestyle, maybe maybe that's also shaved away you know, some potential candidates or, or other people. So it's, uh, it's interesting. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, but where we're going, we're actually going on a break right now. That's where we're going. So we're going on a little break, and we'll be back in a minute. table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set, spotless on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. Empowered Hospitality Solutions include a fully outsourced HR department, a la carte recruitment, compliance, and HR hotline services, training and education, and strategic advisement. And we are back. All right, back to Recruit, Retain, Relax, and we're now at the Relax section. So we're going to relax a little bit with a couple little quick-fire questions, right? We're going to start with Kate. Uh, doesn't mean you have to answer in like two seconds, but it's kind of a quickie. Um, on relaxation, when you're working, right, you're working on your training manuals, you're working on your SOPs, etc. Music. What music do you listen to? A little classical, a little bossa nova, a little reggae, jazz, or silence? What's your... 
I'm a silence yeah, person. Yeah, silent worker. But it doesn't have to be silence. Like I like to be at work in a in a like a, a little hive. Okay. Vibe is okay for me. Like I like hearing sort like of background co-working, stuff. Yeah. Other people doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But no music. No. All right. No. no. Got it. Not Rick. Pre nineteen sixty Miles Davis. Ooh. Nice. That's a good one. That gets you in the mood, right? It's mellow enough. It's not too crazy. You can. Gets all my creative yeah. juices going. It's great. <laughs> Horn sections. All right. Love it. That's a good one. Very cool. What about you, Sarah? All right. No, no. What about oh, you? Oh, music? Yeah. Um, hmm. I tend to agree with Kate. Uh, I do Silence. like a nice silent room. Um, mm. But I also enjoy, um, I'm into this uh Pandora station called Hipster Barbecue Radio. Of course you do. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a good blend. It's upbeat. It's happy. I'm going to make a t-shirt me, with that. Keeps me jiving while I'm working on That's my funny. HR. Wow. I'm 1960s bossa. A little bossa nova, uh, a little yeah. Brazilian, a little down tempo. Uh, it's nice. Um, now, this is a question that uh, I know my wife and I have argued many, many times before. Cheese plates. Is it pre-dinner cheese plate? Is it appetizer cheese plate? Or is it after dessert or pre-dessert cheese plate? Kate? Uh, it's the meal, man. It's <laughs> I'm going I make the cheese, cheese plates plate. before I, dinner. Yeah, That's I like want a girl. Free. I'm eating cheese for the meal with the bread and the olives and the little components. Yeah. and I want it almost as a meal. But yeah, I would do it beforehand, too. Like, if we have people over, we'll put out a cheese plate. Right. In Europe, they do the whole, like, tray with the cheese. And that's usually, like, yeah. dessert time, yes. right? You do, the, like, the it's four the or five cheese tasting thing. Got it. Rick? Pre-dinner. Pre-dinner. Depending. I mean, right. there are Charcuterie, times where it's... Cheese. Exactly. But there are times when it's appropriate that it becomes mm. a more integrated part of the meal. Sure. Just depends on what the meal is centered on. But typically, pre-dinner. But everyone thumbs up on cheese. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Love cheese in general. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Uh, follow up. We're talking about cheese. Might as well talk about wine. Yeah. If you were going to go stomp grapes uh, in one of the world's wine regions, where would you want to go? Freak out. It's a tough one. There's so many great regions. <laughs> and think about the culture, right? You, you, yeah. Let's say that you're like 23. It's a nice summer. You're out there in wherever Mendoza or in, you know, or in Rioja region or where, where would you go? I'd go to Tuscany. Nice. I'd go stomp you grapes and Chianti. You will not find any arguments from us. Yeah. yeah. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty Kate, good how summer. How about you? I'm thinking the Rhone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Rhone Valley, red, white. Mm-hmm. Bring it. Yeah. Nice. So nice. We're going to take a yeah. uh, field trip there after the show. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> okay. Last and final quick fire. What do you bring to a Thanksgiving potluck? Rick. Stuffing. Anything special Very incorporated? Very special. Okay. Very special. What is in your secret It's my secret San stuffing? Francisco sourdough stuffing. I have taught classes. I have been auctioned off at charities to <laughs> wow. teach people how to make Thanksgiving meals. The stuffing guru. Okay. You're going to share the recipe with us, guru. right? I will give you all of my recipes. I'm just going to his house. <laughs> Interesting. But it, it really is a skill, right? I mean, usually stuffing, I don't know, it's going to be dry, boring. Uh, do I really it's want stuffing? It's difficult to do a good stuffing. Yeah, it is. That's right. Takes skill. That's right. Well, that's Kate, how about you? Um, at first, I was like, 
wait, I don't have anything. But no, the truth is, since like I first got my hands on the Silver Palette cookbook, I've made this sweet potato and carrot puree, and the key mm. ingredient is sour cream, mm. and it's pureed smooth, tangy orange mm. deliciousness. Wow! Wow! That I just can't get enough of. Yeah, I look forward to it every oh year. Oh my gosh, Mike! How about you? I know you said you're. Yeah, this year I'm. I'm doing three Thanksgiving dinners back to back, like three days in a row. And I was commissioned to, you know, create a dish. So I'm doing like a five-gallon batch of uh, butternut squash soup. Mm. A little grated nutmeg, a little sour cream. Yes. So that's going to be fun. That's my go-to. It's great. Know, swishing around. Yep. Good stuff. What about you? Oh, I'm a Brussels sprouts kind of girl. Okay. So mm-hmm. I will fancy up some Brussels sprouts. Nice. Roast them. Um, <laughs> little like saute in the pan maybe some balsamic reduction very nice just delicious lovely yeah can't wait i know i know know. it's coming up (laughs) awesome well yeah we'd like to thank rick demarco and kate edwards for their unique insight wisdom and visit to the heritage radio network studio here at roberta's in bushwick uh brooklyn so Thank you for, Thank you uh, so for coming, much. right? Thanks and for happy our... advanced Thanksgiving. I know. Right Thank now you. I'm hungry after all this. Uh, we <laughs> might have to eat more pizza at Roberta's, yeah. uh, which is a tradition here. Uh, thanks for One House and Empowered Hospitality, our sponsors. You can catch this interview, past and future ones, at heritageradionetwork.org. Uh, catch it on iTunes, on Spotify. Again, nice rainy day. You're cleaning the house. You're reading, whatever. Boom. You got background, you know, a little podcast. And Thanks, we'll be everyone. Back in March. Thank you. Oh, yeah. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.